Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by. We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of faith for our messy lives. I'm Tony Kolank, a professor at Ave Maria School of Law, uh, the father of five grown children, and also the author of inspirational fiction for both teens and adults. By the way, I just sent the manuscript for book six of the Harwood Mysteries to Loyola Press. This is going to be the last installment in that series. And uh, book five, Murder at Penwood Manor, is actually about to be released just in time for the holidays, so you can get your copy on Amazon. Today we're speaking with Claudia Cangilla McAdam about some real-world practices to help us forgive those who hurt us in our lives. My guest today is Claudia Cangilla McAdam. She is an award-winning author of more than two dozen books for children and teens. Her latest release is called A Miracle for Micah, which deals with the issue of forgiveness, and we'll be hearing more about that book today. Claudia has an undergraduate degree in English and a master's degree in theology from the Augustine Institute. She also loves sacred scripture, and she frequently takes her readers back to the days when Jesus walked the earth. Claudia is a public speaker who enjoys sharing her books with children, teens, and adults, and she and her husband reside in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Claudia, welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie. Thank you for having me on again, Tony. Lovely to be with you. We talked last time you were on the show last season about Ignatian spirituality, which would be great to touch on that a little bit today. But remind us a little bit about kind of how you got into writing and especially writing the kinds of books that you do. When I was 10 years old, I wrote my first poem and loved how I was able to express myself. And I decided at that moment, when I grew up, I wanted to be a writer, nothing else. And my whole life was geared towards doing that. So I loved English in school. I majored in English in college. And before I was out of college, I was writing for children's magazines and newspapers on a regular basis. I was realizing my dream, did that for many, many years. And then I began writing books for kids. And a lot of them are secular books, but many of them are faith-based ones. And my last seven books and the three that are coming next year are all faith-based books published by Catholic publishers. After I was an adult, 
I entered the Denver Catholic Biblical School for a four-year program, and I had just developed a true love for sacred scripture. And really, that was really when my faith caught on fire. I loved reading about how the Old Testament and the New Testament were connected and how really the Bible is just one long story of Jesus's love for us. It's a love story from beginning to end of God's commitment to us and love for us. And when I finished at the Denver Catholic Biblical School, I knew I wanted more. And so I went on to the Augustine Institute where I got my master's degree in theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture. And while I was at the biblical school, I began writing more and more of my faith-based works. And there was a point in my career that it wasn't going very well. And I had to turn to the Lord, which I should have done all along to give him all of my work. And the fruits that were generated from that have been astounding to me. I don't know, you know, they say God cannot be outdone in generosity. Boy, is that true. So I've been blessed to be able to do what I love and make a living at it and do what I love to evangelize kids and teens and hopefully the adults that share my books with them. Can I follow up on one thing? You were saying you weren't doing as well as you would have liked and then you you made a change. Tell us a little bit more about that change. You know, I was having success with my books and getting one published here, one published there. I got to a point where where I had a couple of finished manuscripts that were Catholic-based kids' picture books. And I was having a hard time finding a publisher for those books. And I went to a friend who is kind of in that industry who could have been very, very helpful to me. And in fact, that person shut me down. And I felt very hurt by that and carried a lot, a lot of resentment around for a long time about this person, person could have helped me and did not. And I was angry. And then I thought, wait a minute, stop. It's not up to that person to make my career, or to get my books published. I went back to where I should have started in prayer to the Lord and said, Lord, if you find value in what I write, I give it all to you. If you want these books published, you'll open doors for me. And I'm not kidding you. Immediately that began to happen. And I had seven books come out in a span of about three years from different Catholic publishers, which is something I could not have even imagined in my wildest dreams. But when I forgave the person who hurt me and let that go and turned to the Lord where I should have started, it changed my life and it changed my career. And so I'm forever grateful for that bump in the road and the fruits that that has yielded. So that's a great segue into the idea of forgiveness and your latest book, A Miracle for Micah. So tell us a little bit about that and, and how forgiveness shows itself in that story. A Miracle for Micah is my second book with Ascension Press, and it's part of their sacramental prep resources. And it's a work of fiction. It's a picture book for kids, 32-page picture book, fully illustrated. And it's the story of a young boy named Micah who is living in Capernaum at the time of Jesus. And Micah is sent to the market by his mother to purchase food for the family. So she gives him money and off he goes. But he decides, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to use that money to treat myself, but I'll still end up with food because I'm going to sneak up onto Peter's rooftop and steal some of the fish that are drying there. That's his plan, and his little brother is in tow, so his brother's witnessing this sin. And while he's on the rooftop at Peter's home, he witnesses Jesus perform 
one miracle after another. Eventually, however, Jesus catches Micah stealing, and the boy comes to realize how his actions hurt many people, Peter, his brother, Jesus, himself, and he's truly remorseful, and through the bountiful mercy and forgiveness of Jesus, Micah's life turns around, and he becomes part of a very special miracle himself. Yeah, how do you translate the message of forgiveness in a way that a kid's going to really be able to identify with it? You know, kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. And a child in early elementary school would be able to read this book. Of course, kids that can't read can have it read to them. In what I try to do, I invite my readers to put themselves in the sandals, so to speak, of a kid who might have lived at the time of Jesus and to witness what that child is doing. And kids know when something's wrong, they know it's wrong. And adults should know that too. But a lot of times we think, well, it's just a little sin. I mean, it's just a little something. Micah thinks it's just a little thing to steal a couple fish from Peter. Like a worker might go to the office and say, well, it's not a big deal if I take a ream of paper home. That's not going to hurt anything. But you know what? It is a sin. It's stealing. And I think we all can think about our own lives, even young kids, about what they do. Did they take something that belonged to a sibling that they shouldn't have? And they can put themselves in Micah's shoes and come to see that when they confess their sin, Jesus forgives them, forgives us, and welcomes us into an even fuller life with him. You know, we think of our faith so much as being about all these rules and regulations, and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But really, it's not so much about the rules, it's about the relationship, the relationship with our Lord, the relationship with each other, and the relationship with ourselves. You know, right in the middle of sin is I. And I think kids can understand that when they read this book. And the parents or the teachers can talk to them, too, about what is a sin and how do we avoid it and how are we able to get beyond it and what comfort there is in the forgiveness of our Lord. Now, you know, I mean, both of us as writers of fiction and writers of stories, I know we believe in the power of imagination. You know, we like writing books because when you're reading them, your imagination can soar and kind of put you into a story the way that even a, a movie or a TV show just doesn't have the ability to do. Um, and I know last time we this kind of led us into a discussion of Ignatian spirituality, that is a, a practice that you're very familiar with and that you have advocated as, as a way to help adults deal with issues in their lives. You know, St. Ignatius encouraged people to use their imagination in order to converse with God. Let's look at the Bible. Jesus, the divine master storyteller, he used stories all the time. That's what his parables were. He was inviting his listeners to enter into the story you know, he'd say, there was a man, he had two sons, and the younger son said, give me my inheritance, and off he wandered and, and squandered that, and the people listening to Jesus must have thought, wow, what would have happened if I had done that? What if I was the younger son, or the older son, or the father? And they put themselves in that story and learned from it, and St. Ignatius said, God can speak to us through our imagination. So he invited readers of scripture to put themselves in a story, meaning not just read along and think, oh, that's interesting, but picture themselves as a character that's described in the story or someone who's not even mentioned in the Gospels, for example, but 
maybe happens to be there. And what do you witness? What do you smell and taste and hear and feel? And what do you see? What do you experience? And what do you take away from that experience? So that, you know, Jesus did that in his parables. St. Ignatius encouraged us to do that when we read scripture. And you and I, Tony, encourage our readers to do that when they read our books. How can something like that assist with forgiveness? Like you bring up a good parable for forgiveness. If I were to do sort of this imagination exercise that you proposed, how might that help me handle forgiveness in my own life? Reading stories or hearing stories of people who have exhibited forgiveness, I think can be very beneficial. St. Maria Goretti is a great example of that. If you read her story, an 11-year-old girl who is harassed by a 20-year-old young man who tries to take advantage of her, and she tries to dissuade him by explaining that, no, that would be a sin. What you're, what you're wanting to do would be a sin. I can't, I can't do that. And ends up being stabbed 14 times by this person. And before she dies, has the graciousness of heart to forgive her killer. And she says, I want him to be in heaven with me, which is exactly what Jesus says on the cross to the good thief that's crucified with him. So Maria Goretti is emulating Jesus. And when we read her story, we can emulate what she did, what she said. And God forbid that any of us should be in that exact situation. But there's a lot of situations where somebody attacks our credibility or you know, gossips about us or whatever, and that's harmful. And if we can forgive them as St. Maria Goretti forgave her killer, then we can put ourselves on the path to sainthood as she did. That's just one example of what someone else did can illuminate our path when we find ourselves in difficulty. So St. Ignatius would say, even with a story like Maria Goretti, you could sort of put yourself into that story, you know, imagine seeing the situation as you described it. And then I'm just trying to imagine like how I translate that into, you know, making myself able to forgive others more. You know, I don't think it's something that necessarily we ourselves can do on our own. I think that's why it's important to root ourselves in prayer, spend time in Eucharistic adoration, you know, avail yourself of the sacraments receive the Eucharist, go to confession, put yourself in the place where you might be able to dig deep to find that ability to forgive. It's not easy a lot of times to do that. But we have to realize, though, that forgiveness, in many instances, forgiveness is not necessarily a charity done to another person. It's something that actually frees our, ourselves, each individual person, from the hurt or the resentment that they might feel towards someone who has harmed them. It's not something that I think we can just do easily. I know I've learned that in my own life. It, it takes prayer. It takes effort, ongoing commitment, because those resentments can seep back in and you can begin feeling not so friendly to someone who's harmed you. But to consistently pray for them, I mean, that's not always easy to do. But I think it's that's important. And I think that's a good first step. And then when we talk about imagination and, and we talk about our, our stories, I know there's one particular uh, series of stories that's out there that is making a worldwide phenomena that you had something to do with. Tell us about The Chosen. 
I love The Chosen, and anyone who's not seen it, I invite you, I challenge you to at least watch the first episode and see if you don't get hooked, because, you know, I approached it with, oh, I'll, I'll, another, you know, Jesus story, but boy, it's not another Jesus story. It's a multi-season television series, can be watched for free, and it, it's Jesus's story. It's seven seasons of his ministry and the backstories of his apostles and his disciples. It's really a beautiful way to imagine what Jesus's ministry must have been like. And I mean, it's it's full of touching scenes and humorous scenes. And I had the great fortune of being an extra in the filming of the Feeding of the 5,000 episode, which closed out season three. That's the past season. And just to be there physically was an even deeper way to try to imagine what it would have been like to be part of that miracle. And so, yeah, thechosen.tv, wonderful resource. Go there and check it out. And it's really great for, for us Catholics because the lead actor, Jonathan Rumi, is a devout Catholic. And when we were filming, he interfaced with the crowd, frequently told us his miracle story of how the Lord played a part in advancing his career when he was at the very, very bottom of almost being able to give up acting entirely because he just wasn't making it as he wanted to, to be successful. And the Lord put this in front of him. And it's really a marvelous story. And at the, the last day of filming, he asked the crowd, he said, could I pray with you? Could I pray the Our Father in Aramaic with you? Everybody's like, yeah, sure. And in a beautiful witness to his Catholic faith, he began the prayer by blessing himself in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It was beautiful to see his witness. He loves the Lord. You can find him all over the Hallow app and on his Facebook page. He'll pray the rosary with people there. I mean, it's it's really a great series and a great way for us to enter more deeply into understanding and knowing and loving Jesus. It took me a while to get around to watching The Chosen, but when I actually did start going through it, it, it really is neat. And as a as a writer, you definitely can appreciate what they're doing because they are just, they're making up out of whole cloth a lot of these stories about the apostles. I know, like you mentioned the first episode, I'm, I'm assuming you're, you're talking about the one where he drives the demons out of Mary Magdalene. And there's another episode too with Mary Magdalene where she kind of falls away and then has to get forgiven a second time. And I remember those being really powerful. And I, is that is that sort of like Ignatian spirituality at work when you're kind of watching that and, and imagining what it would be like to be Mary Magdalene in that situation? Oh, I, I think so. I think very much so. It, it even takes you deeper because it opens up ways that you may not have thought about your faith or Jesus and how his healing power and his love that's exhibited throughout and I love that Mary Magdalene storyline because yet Jesus cast the demons out of her. And yet down the road, she slips back into not doing so well, just like all of us. We sin and she comes back to Jesus. And what's interesting about that episode that I picked up on is who leads her back to Jesus? His mother. It was beautiful. And I'm not sure that the writers who are not Catholic really maybe consciously understood what they were doing, but I thought it was very beautiful because the Blessed Mother brings her back to her son and Mary Magdalene confesses how she's fallen away and Jesus forgives her and loves her. And it, it was really a beautiful moment of, for us, what forgiveness 
can and should be. But when you put yourself in her position also, especially when she falls away the second time and, and she seems so ashamed to even have to ask for forgiveness, like, you know, hey, and I think all of us as Christians run into this. I know I have in my life. You're like embarrassed and ashamed that there would even be a time where you would fall away and need to get forgiven again. And I thought that the way they, they did it in the series really portrayed that. Um, you could kind of see like, she wasn't going to go back. She was so ashamed. And I suppose watching that can help us, you know, have more compassion on those who hurt us. We can identify a little bit better when it's our turn to have to forgive. Exactly. You know, they say that the church is not not to be a shrine for saints, but a hospital for sinners. We're all sinners. And when somebody hurts us, we have to realize, well, you know, they may have done so intentionally and sinfully. And I need to be as forgiving as the Lord would be in that situation and release myself from that, what binds me and what, you know, what harms me when someone else mistreats me. And yep, you're right. It's, you know, you, you go to confession. It's like you sit down, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Here's my same sins all over again. I should have just recorded them the last time. I feel like, oh gosh, here I am again, same old, same old, you know, but we keep working at it. And the Lord keeps welcoming us back into his fold. And you mentioned St. Maria Goretti's story, which is incredible for the girl to have forgiven. But there's more to that story, too. Doesn't uh, her mom also have a forgiveness moment? And her, her killer, Alessandro Serenelli, was imprisoned following the murder. And uh, because he was not yet 21, he didn't have a life imprisonment. imprisonment. He had nearly 30 years during the course of his incarceration, he had a vision of Maria Goretti appearing to him and forgiving him to his face, so to speak, which changed his life and turned him around. When he was released from prison, he went to Maria's mother, Asanta. The father was long dead before Maria was even killed. He went to her mother and asked her forgiveness. And she said, if my daughter can forgive you, what can I do? I can't do anything but forgive you also. And the beauty of this story is that when Maria Goretti was canonized in, I think it was 1960, Alessandro was there and her mother and siblings were there. Can you imagine being there at the canonization of the person whose life you took? He lived the rest of his life as a lay brother with the Capuchins working in the garden and answering the door at the monastery. And yeah, she did save his eternal life. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he's with her in heaven because of that forgiveness that she extended. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that seems to me like the living example of what we've been talking about. So I, I suppose a similar path would be followed, you know, when we put ourselves in the shoes of whatever the prodigal son or the father who's forgiving. And I guess that's the benefit of this method. Very much so. You know, it's, it's very illuminating to me to read about other people. I mean, you see on the news occasionally where a family member at a trial right after the person who's killed their loved one has you know, been sentenced, go up to that person and say, I forgive you, or, or I'm praying for you or whatever. That, boy, I don't know whether I could do that, but that is very inspirational to me and a great example of how we should be living our lives. Going back to your book then, what is the lesson that kids are taking about forgiveness from the pages of A Miracle for Micah? I think the lesson that kids do take from it is that 
we all do things that we're not supposed to do. And when we're doing them, a lot of times we don't even think about how our actions are hurting or affecting other people. But I, I firmly believe that everything we do in our lives, even the most innocuous, what we might think is innocuous, affects other people. I mean, do we cut somebody off in traffic? Do we smile at someone, you know, passing by on the street? Whatever we do, good or bad, can have an impact and, and a ripple effect. And that's what reading this book hopefully gets across to kids is that yet yeah, Micah thinks that he's just taking the fish because he really wants to spend that money to buy himself a treat at the market. And what harm is there in that? He's still bringing food home like he's supposed to. But okay, now you got to stop and think, now, wait a minute, this is affecting Peter's livelihood. It's affecting your brother who sees you stealing. It's affecting Jesus because you're sinning. And as Jesus says to him in this book, is this the kind of person you want to become? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. And I think that's the question kids ask themselves too, is what kind of person do I want to be? I want to be someone who is living my faith the way I'm supposed to. And hopefully that's, that's what kids take away from that book. I'll bet their parents take that away too. Even when I would read books for younger people as an adult, you know, I'm always amazed at how much I can take away because you see the lesson sometimes portrayed in a way where it's just so clear, you know, you can get convicted in your own life. But anyway, you do seem to be pretty prolific. Are you working on any new books coming uh, after this? I am. I have three books coming out in 2024. One of them is from Ascension Press. It's the next book in this line of sacramental resources type of books. It's a fictional account of Pentecost. It's a, a girl's experience with being present at Pentecost. And so it kind of ties in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and confirmation. And then I have two books coming from Our Sunday Visitor. The newest one is called St. Paul's Nephew to the Rescue by Our Sunday Visitor. And it's a story that's in the Bible. It's a true story. But hardly anybody knows that St. Paul's nephew did something that actually saved St. Paul's life. And then later in the summer, I have a book called The Night of the August Snow. It's a chapter book about the legend of how St. Mary Major Basilica in Rome was conceived and built through the eyes of two young boys living in Rome in the 350s. Wow. Yeah, I finally uh, had a chance to work with our Sunday visitor this last year. Um, I'm excited because at the same time as your picture books are coming out uh, next year, our Sunday visitor is also going to be releasing a middle grade novel that I wrote for them, which we'll hear more about in the coming months. But uh, really nice publisher to work with also. Good for you. I, I agree. Maybe maybe we'll do a book tour together someday, Tony. <laughs> That'd be awesome. All right. So if folks wanted to learn more about you or all the different books that you've written, if they wanted to find them in, in one spot, maybe, and figure out how to buy them, um, what would you recommend? You can certainly go to my website, which is Claudia McAdam, that's M-C-A-D-A-M.com. And on there, I've got all my books listed with links to the publishers or to other places where they could be purchased. I also have book trailers. I love to create those book trailers of each of my titles so that you can get a 90 second glimpse into what that particular book is like. And I have free discussion and activities guides for all of my books for kids and teens. So that is a, a free resource that anybody can request. And I'm happy to send out. Also on my website, I have a, a link to an article I wrote about the chosen and about our family's experience there. So 
anybody who's curious about that, I invite you to go to ClaudiaMcAdam.com and read about that as well. By the way, did you spot yourself in the scene when it when it aired? Did you see there I am? There I am. Hey, hey, we were part of the five thousand, Tony. <laughs> I knew where we were sitting, and no, I didn't see our, us on the screen, but it was fun. I have seen a lot of B-roll, the you know, other recordings that they've shot that they didn't use, and yes, our family's visible there, so that that's kind of fun for the two grandchildren that we took with us to see. But uh, no, didn't spot us in the actual program itself. But that that's not why we were there. It's not about us. It was It's about the Lord and being a part of it was just a true honor. I saw you. I said, I know that girl. I know that girl. <laughs> no, not, not really. Hey, Claudia, it's been wonderful having you back on the show. Thank you so much for coming back on. Thanks, Tony. I love speaking with you, talking all things books. And it's a true joy to be with you. I appreciate it. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for the show today. Again, we've been speaking with Claudia Cangilla McAdam about forgiveness. Again, this is Anthony Barone Colank. If you want to learn more about me or my various books for teens and adults, um, or even have me come speak to your school or your homeschool group, then definitely check out my website, antonycolank.com. Until next time, may God bless us as we rely on our faith to work through the messy challenges of our lives. Thank you.